Yeah, as we say, good afternoon and welcome along to Dennis Stewart. How are you this week? I'm well, David. How are you? Very good. Now, last week we spoke mm. about the benefits of honey. We did. And we're turning our attention today to olive oil. I want to talk a little bit more today about foods and food being your best medicine. Okay. And just as last week we took up again a topic that I love taking up, honey and its benefits as a food and honey as its benefits as a medicinal substance. Today I want to look at olive oil, not just as a food, but as a significant therapeutic agent. Hello, Rowena. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How, how can we help you? That's good. Um, I'd like to talk to you about what you would recommend after mm. you used Ostragalus 8. Yes. My daughter had a lot of viral infections over winter and quite run down, tired, fatigued, and you recommended once some Ostragalus 8 and it really kept her up. Good, she felt good. good. But I went to buy some at the Go Vita shop the other day and the lady just recommended... Just take that short term once you recover and then go on to a tonic. So I was unsure what tonic to okay. choose. Well, well, I would have a different view on that. In no. fact, I see, uh, I see the Astragalus 8 formula uh, being used for two purposes. Number one, to cope with a crisis, particularly a viral crisis, uh, yeah. particularly something like glandular fever or those sorts of things, where it works very well in helping... Uh, people who are stricken with a severe virus get over it better than what they would normally do. That's been my experience and I stick by it. But what I would say is that also then gives way to a second and, in my opinion, equally popular use for Astragalus 8, and that is to use it as an ongoing lower-dose immune tonic. Now, let me just explain this. In our profession, we talk about uh, herbs having immunostimulant characteristics and the herb echinacea would be a good example of that where it would be used uh, to treat an infection activity and sometimes used to reinforce astragalus but an immune tonic substance is something that is used ongoingly whereas arguably an immune system stimulant something like echinacea is used more for short term purposes to cope with episodes so I would disagree with what you've been told and many many of my patients and clients stay on lower doses of astragalus 8 indefinitely because okay. they've done so well on it. To give an example uh, people that experience very uh, regular episodes of herpes or cold sores that's a wretched condition but I have found the astragalus 8 formula very useful for initially coping with, say, a severe outbreak and uh, seeing it resolve itself quicker and then seeing that person who has previously experienced uh, herpes regularly go on with a lower management dose of astragalus 8 to see lesser incidence of herpes experience. So look at it in two perspectives, uh, an optimum dose to cope with a, a viral assault, if you like, and a lower, the lower management dose for ongoing prevention against recurrent viruses. Well, that's great advice because she did so well after of she... Of course. I, I, I have said uh, on this program and um, for many, many years, there have been a number of high points in my 40-year career in natural medicine. The first was discovering and making popular the American herb Echinacea purpurea, 
and seeing it develop into a major uh, natural medicine in Australia, particularly uh, in combination or in partnership with the wonderful Professor Cliff Elliott, who was the Emeritus Professor of Physics at this university. He retired to the central coast of New South Wales, and he and I became almost father and son, and we participated in the growing, the marketing, the selling, and the development of echinacea-based products. The, the second or equally important event in my career was the discovery of the Astragalus 8 formulation. I gave the first lectures on it at Ormond College in Melbourne University. I developed the first product based on it, and products in the marketplace today, particularly the most popular products, owe their origin uh, to a lot of my work and promotion. If you'd like to give Dennis a call, that number, 49216216. We'll look forward to hearing from you soon. Kevin, good afternoon. How are you doing? Not too bad, mate. Hello, Kevin. Can you just turn your radio down there, Kevin? It's feeding back on us. That's the only thing. How are we going, Dennis? I'm well, Kevin. How are you? Not too bad. Good, good. I've got an ongoing rash across my shoulder blades, and it's spreading around the sides of my neck. Okay. I've had it for about two years. Yes. Uh, Doctors tried... uh, Enterqual yes. cream. Yes. I've tried that for about 12 months. Yes. That didn't work. Okay. And then he's put me on to a SON, S-O-N-E tablet, 5 milligram. Okay. What is what is the diagnosis that's been given by, by your doctor? Uh, well, he just said, I'll try this cream and... and it didn't work, so he's put me on the tablets. Has he has he indicated that it is either fungal, uh, inflammatory? No, uh, neither. Okay, and you've had it for two two or so years. Yes. Have you seen a dermatologist? No, I haven't. Look, if if I were you, if I were you, um, a two and a half year skin condition that's unresolved, I think I'd be asking a GP to um, for referral to see a dermatologist, particularly if it's not taking up. Is it only restricted to that area? That's the only area I'm getting it. Okay. Well, look, it's itchy all the time. Okay. What I would suggest is a couple of things that, uh, but having even what I recommend now, I would still suggest, uh, even if you do well on it, you pursue um, a discussion with your GP about a possible referral to a dermatologist. But a couple of things that I would suggest, as far as the itch is concerned, an itch can be a wretched thing. I, I have battled all my life with episodes of eczema. I'm a, what's called an atopic individual. I experience a bit of eczema and asthma. So I know what itch conditions can do. I have found over the years, over the years, preparations that contain pine tar and menthol are very useful for alleviating the itch and to some degree even reducing some of the inflammation. And I'm a great fan of a little product from the pharmacy Called, I think it's called Hamilton's Pine Tar and Menthol Lotion. To me, it's a little gem, and I would suggest you make a beeline to your pharmacy and talk about uh, trying that preparation as far as alleviating the itch. Having said that, having said that, what I will also do is send to you from the program a container of my GA Complex Cream. Now, the GA Complex Cream uh, also contains. Um, a little bit of pine tar, but its major active principle is the extract from licorice, even though it looks like cortisone and works like cortisone. It's a natural-based product. So I will send you some of this cream free of charge for you to try. But again, even if you do well, 
with the pine tar and menthol lotion that I've mentioned, and even if you do well with the cream that I'm sending you, I would still pursue um, a discussion with your GP about getting the thing looked at. It's been going too long, in my opinion. Now, before you get off the, uh, off the phone there, hang on, because the producer will get your name and address, and I'm going back to my rooms at Alma Road after the program. I'll make sure that the cream that I mentioned will be sent to you, again, as a gift from the program. All right. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you hold on the line there. We'll get those details for you. We've got a message here from Linda. She, she rang but didn't want to go to air, Dennis. She says she had a very bad virus, and the yeah. Astragalus 8 worked really well for her as a pickup and a tonic. I believe her. So that is some That's good... Con- uh, confirmation to what, uh, what I have said, said earlier. And I, some people at times think that I go a bit over the top, Dave, in, in emphasising the the importance and the value of astragalusate. But again, I come back to what I said earlier. It would be probably the last great discovery of my 40-year mm. profession. I have seen this product do things on recurrent viruses like nothing other, like no other natural substance that I have ever used. Now, Dennis, we're about to talk to something that can make you very uncomfortable. Yes. What we're talking about is heartburn, and we've got Peter with us. Yes. Peter? Hello. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm good indeed. You've got a little bit of reflux, have you? I've got a lot of reflux. Okay. Uh, my dad passed away not long ago. Yes. He had a gastronoma. Yes. Um, I just wonder whether, um, is it a, can you prevent it by the food you eat? I, I'm, I couldn't, conf, I couldn't um, uh, comment on that. I think so many diseases that we experience are multifactorial. That is, there's unlikely to be any one single condition that causes it. So I'm not uh, an expert on the pathogenesis of that particular condition, um, but I might be able to help you as far as your experience of um, reflux. Are you on Nexium or something like that? I am, yes. I'm on the 24-hour one. Okay. That's good medication, but I'll recommend a couple of little things that might be useful to you. Are you on any blood pressure medication? No. Okay. Look... One of the most useful devices for working against inflammation and even ulceration of the stomach and duodenum is the herb licorice. Now, this might sound sound rather quaint. People think of licorice as confectionery. Well, let me tell you, licorice's, licorice's reputation is mainly as a potent medicinal substance not to be used, generally speaking, if you're taking blood pressure medication. But if you're not taking blood pressure medication, it's one of the most protective and healing devices for the upper gut wall. And that is reiterated in a lot of the technical literature on herbal medication. So one of the things that I suggest might be useful for you if you're concerned about your reflux and looking at something that might give you a bit of an edge as far as maintaining the health of the mucous membrane of your stomach Go to your health food store and get some licorice capsules. Oh, okay. And take okay, yes, you, there's a couple of good brands. Uh, they're all equally um, there. I, I veer towards uh, Nature Sunshine products only because I have used them all my life, but there are other equally uh, good licorice preparations. But if I was in your situation, I'd take a licorice extract, a licorice um, capsule after each meal, and I'd also ensure that I was using that well-known, that well-known herb, uh, Slippery Elm. Oh, all right. Is that... Um, now, that's... Re- that's, that's No, it's not. It's, it's readily available. It's best taken uh, as in a powdered form, and it can be, again, purchased from your health food store. Where do you live? 
I have a child down. Okay. Well, if you uh, if you went down to um, Vitology at Westfield, they would have the the products there that I'm talking about. Or indeed, if you went to Vitology at Warner's Bay, they stock the products that I talk about. But if I was in your situation, I would stay with the Nexium as your doctor has prescribed. I would use the licorice capsule one after each meal to provide some healing and protective effect on your gut wall, and I'd start taking Slippery Elm as a powder, which is one of the most well-known, even medically well-known substances for protecting and improving the health of the whole of the gastrointestinal tract. You're listening to Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. Marlene is with us right now for you, Dennis. Hello, Marlene. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call. It's a pleasure. Um, troubled with the fungus under my toenail. Had it about five years. Have tried all the commercial stuff available and I can't get rid of it. Oh dear, that's a long time to have it, isn't it? I know. Have you tried tea tree oil? Yes. How long have you tried it for? Oh, months. And are you using straight tea tree oil? Well, yes. Yes, I Well, sorry, commercial, what I bought in the chemist. Yeah, well, that would be pure tea tree oil. The right. Re- the reason I say that is that there's a very good reputation for the uh, benefit of tea tree oil in dealing with that condition, so I'm a little bit puzzled that it hasn't uh, done the job. How, how have you been using it? Uh, putting it on with a, a cotton wool ball. Uh, you might not be getting enough concentrated effect. Uh, what, I, what I would suggest you do, to start mm. with anyway, is get some cotton wool and saturate it, right. sat- saturate it almost to the point that it's dripping off, yeah. then, then put, uh, say, a towel or something on the floor and let the, uh, the cotton wool that's saturated with tea tree oil Stay on it for quite some time. Right, okay, then we'll do. Do it a a little bit more. I have a few things up my sleeve that I can come back to you with. But again, I'm puzzled that it's not giving you a better result. And most of the time, it is associated with the amount of tea tree oil that you're using and the concentrated nature of it, how frequently you're using it and how long you're leaving it on for. And how frequent should I do it daily? Well, well, I'd at least be doing it once, once a day at least. Right. At least, and if you have a chance, uh, do it in the morning as well. That may well, not be convenient. No, but, no, no, that'd be all right. But try that because, A, it's inexpensive. B, it's pretty well do- documented. And I mm. think if you were to follow the advice that I've given, you might get a better result. All, I will do. All, always, yeah. always with essential oils, uh, be cautious that you don't irritate um, around the area. And if you find that it starts to get a bit red and inflamed, back off it for a day or so. Uh, but I've not had too many problems with patients and clients using tea tree oil in that way. All right. Now, we've got Peter joining us now. He'd like to talk to you, Dennis, about bicarb soda. Hello, Peter. Yeah, hi, Dennis. Um, I recently was reading a, um, on the internet a Christian article about yes. bicarbonate of soda can help to um, Kid- enhance kidney mm-hmm. um, function. yes. Um, I, look, I don't know about these things. It seems a bit odd to me, but I've seen other articles that said don't do it because it's a, it's a problem. And I was just wondering if there was anything basically um, in your path of medicine that can enhance kidney. I'm on dialysis. Okay. Look, if, if, you're, um, if you're on dialysis, it essentially um, means that your kidney function is very, very meagre indeed. 
Is that correct, that you've got yeah. a low level of kidney activity? I, yeah, I've, I've been on dialysis for a year. Okay. I've, I've still got a urine output of about two and a half litres per 24 hours. Okay. Uh, what, what degree of kidney function have you got? Um, it, it, I think it's around 7%. Yeah. Look, I'll be honest and straight with you. I think you'd be wasting your time. Yeah, yep. I know you didn't want to hear that, but I'm a straight oh, no. shooter. No, that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm very sceptical yeah, of a lot yeah, of things yeah. that are Well, look, there. Um, I'm a Christian the same as you, so I'll speak honestly with you. There's a lot on the net that you need to be cautious about, yeah, and there yeah. are a lot of things that people do based on what they read on the net that at the end of the day does them no good and some kind, sometimes can do them harm. Now, I'm not saying don't take notice of what's on the net. Don't misinterpret me. There's a lot of good stuff on it. But when you're dealing with something as critical as a failing kidney, you don't want to be doing anything that could even interfere with the benefit of dialysis that you're getting. And um, I couldn't say yay or nay as to whether or not bicarb soda would do anything for you. I'm not commenting on that, but I would say I wouldn't recommend it because if you're on what you're on, you need to work with your medical managers they should know what you're doing and anything you do um, should be approved and have a good basis to it. Um, are you lined up for a kidney transplant? Um, not at the moment. Um, my wife has um, indicated that she would uh, donate. She, we're both the same blood type. Yes, that's good, yes. Um, but they, they more or less at the moment would like me to lose, you know, about 20 kilograms in okay, weight. Okay, okay. Look, I, I would... I would prefer to see you work with your medical managers, do the advice that they're, uh, take the, on board the advice they're giving you and look forward when you're in better health to undergo the, the transfer which at the end of the day, or the transplant, which at the end of the day is the only solution, in my opinion, for your problem. Two and you are FM, it's Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart and Costa joins us now. Hello, Costa. Yeah, hello, Dennis. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Good, good. Yeah, mate. I, I um, every time I go to bed, I seem to um, I get cramps in the soles of my feet and my yes. toes. Yes, yes. And, um, it doesn't it doesn't alleviate until I, I I've actually physically got to get out of bed and walk around a little bit, and it happens two or three times a night. Okay. Look, I'm going to say something that might sound a little bit uh, left field, as they say, and a little bit unusual. Uh, last week on the program with Jane, I was talking about a book entitled Folk Medicine by the American doctor, Dr. Lucas, who was a general practitioner in Vermont many years ago and did a lot of research and observation on the way in which in that society in Vermont, in the village where he was, people used honey for multiple purposes. And last week I was nearly going to read the section from that book which spoke about the potential benefit of honey being taken last thing at night as an agent to lessen what are called nocturnal or nighttime cramps. I didn't do it. I just didn't have time. But seeing you've mentioned it, it's not going to cost you anything, and the worst thing that could happen is it mightn't help. But according to the good doctor, this was a very confident way of addressing nocturnal cramps, and he suggested that you take about a tablespoonful of pure honey before you go to bed. Right. Do start right. doing Start doing that. As, as I say, it's not going to cost you much to get onto honey. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great food in any case. But um, if you send a stamp-addressed envelope to my rooms at 39 Alma Road, New Lambton, 
right, 39 Alma Road, New Lambton. We're open on Mondays, Thursdays and Friday. I will make sure my staff copy the section from Dr Lucas's book to confirm what I have said about a trial on the use of a tablespoonful of honey last thing before bed. I know it sounds simple and folksy, but that was the name of the book, Folk Medicine. It was also the book that uh, brought into popularity the use of apple cider vinegar. Try that, but also keep up your sleeve. The remedy that's popularly touted for, for cramps, and sometimes it's affected, effective, and that is magnesium. Newcastle and the Hunter Valleys, too, and you are FM 103.7. Dennis Stewart's taking your calls today. We've got Mary with us now. Good afternoon, Mary. Good afternoon. Hello, Mary. Hi, how are you, Dennis? I'm well indeed. Thank you for taking the call. It's a pleasure. My husband got ligament damage. Ligament damage, yes. Just under his knee. Yes. What can we do about it? Now, the doctor suggested Nurofen. He's been taking Nurofen, but okay. still it, is, it hurts. Is it giving him any relief? When he takes it, yes. Okay. Look, a couple of little things that you can try that are not going to cost you much and are very safe. The, mm-hmm. fir- the first thing that I would recommend is that you use a preparation that you must have heard me talk about. It's known as stiff, sore and sorry. Mm-hmm. Now, if you hang on after the program, the producer will take your name and address and I will send you, free of charge, some stiff, sore and sorry for you to use and rub onto your husband's injured area to see if that gives him a little bit of relief. The other thing that I would suggest is that in in place of the Nurofen, which is generally speaking a good preparation, but if you're reluctant to keep using it, what I would suggest you do is use what's called a curcumin-based product, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N. Now, Mm -hmm. curcumin is an extract from the herb turmeric, and it has a reputation of benefit in easing pain and inflammation associated with muscular and skeletal problems. So where do you live? Uh, Gwandalan. Okay. You'd have a a health food store down there, I'm sure, around Lakelands or somewhere like that, or Uh, Lake Lake Haven. Okay, Tuggera. Go and get something with curcumin in it, Mm -hmm. right, and we'll send you stiff, sore and sorry and see how you go. So the curcumin, you eat it or...? No, no, it it comes usually as a a tablet. Okay. 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 And if you just hang on... Um, we'll make sure that you're sent okay. a, a, a container of stiff, sore and sorry that you can apply and see how you go with that. Now, good afternoon, Irene. You've been waiting patiently for us. Oh, that's all right. Um, good afternoon, Doctor. Oh, Dennis, Dennis will do. Dennis will do, Irene. Right. You call me Dennis and I'll call you Irene. <laughs> um, I just wanted to know what effect does mm. uh, do uh, MRI scans have on anyone? Well, they're very good diagnostic procedures. Yeah, especially on your head. Do you think all that bashing around with feels like stones and everything, you know? I think if your doctor has recommended you have an MUR, you feel very confident about having it. Well, don't worry, I did have one. Good on you. Well, you still sound pretty good to me. Uh, well, I don't know so much. I, 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 think I'd stop, I think I'd stop worrying about it. Well, 12 months ago I had one. Yes. And um, I've never had... So much pain. Oh, well, I, I d- it feels mm. like rocks going around in my neck. And well, I don't think it would come from the MRI. I'd be surprised if that happened. Well, I didn't have it before I went under. Didn't you really? No. Nope. Oh. Well, I can't explain that. Um, have, you, have you discussed it with your doctor? No. Well, I and, would. Um, 
uh, when I was having the yes. uh, scan, it felt like, you know, as if, um, now how can I describe it? Like wind was blowing in inside my head and I could feel, you know, like, um, what do I say, ribbons, you know, um, blowing around. Okay. Irene, I, I really can't explain why that would be so. I, I don't doubt that you're experiencing that, but what I would suggest, earnestly suggest, is that if it's distressing you, you sit down and you have a good talk with your GP, follow it through, and see what could have happened or would not have happened and see what can be done to resolve it for you. Make a beeline to have a talk with your GP. Now, Dennis, tell me about the connection between herbal medicine and olive oil. Okay. Well... To start with, olive oil is not just a food. Listeners would know that one of my favourite topics is to try to get over to people that food is still your best medicine. And that is why for so long I've promoted honey not just as a food, but as a medicine. Now, we spoke about the way in Vermont, uh, in the US, uh, villages there proved the efficacy of honey to the extent that Dr Jarvis wrote a book on it. Well, if we look around Mediterranean countries where olive oil is used as a part of their diet, necessarily as part of their diet, we can learn a lot from uh, people that use olive oil as a serious component of their diet. Generally speaking, if you look at people that use olive oil in large amounts, they tend to have the following health benefits. Number one, they tend to have regular bowel functioning. And you could say, well, what's olive oil got to do with that? Olive oil's got a lot to do with that. A lot of people don't realise that the regular, serious, daily use of at least 30 mils of olive oil across the day has a significant effect on promoting healthy bowel function and healthy stool characteristics. So half the population, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, so to speak, half the population battles with constipation. If we take on board the way in which olive oil is used in Mediterranean countries and seriously see it as a medicine, and begin to incorporate that daily into our diet in at least 30 mil a day doses, we will inevitably begin to see some improvement in bowel functioning. And I say that seriously and have proved it with my own patients, taking 30 mils straight of Hunter Valley, particularly Hunter Valley olive oil, uh, 30 mils uh, lasting at night is a pretty good uh, recommendation for people that battle with serious constipation, okay, and it's a yeah. food. The other thing that we can learn from people that use olive oil seriously, and I mean not just taking it a bit on their bread or something like that or putting it on a bit of salad, but take it in serious quantities, we learn also that they're relatively freer of gallbladder problems. Very rarely do you find people in Mediterranean countries experience gallbladder distress as we do in Anglo countries. So the recommendation in the literature is for people that have what are called grumbling gallbladders and for elderly people for whom a gallbladder procedure may not be desirable but who, technically speaking, really need one because of the discomfort, the regular daily use of olive oil may well lessen some of the discomfort they're experiencing in their their gallbladder. And thirdly and most importantly, a large percentage of our population are on medications to deal with reflux and lessen acidity. A lot of people don't realise that one of the most effective benefits of olive oil taken in serious quantities, and I'm talking about 30 mil doses, one to three times daily, is that it has a buffering effect on the gut wall 
and lessens reflux symptoms and protects the gut wall. So rather than go straight away onto drug therapy, my advice for people that experience reflux or what used to be called hyperacidity is to talk to your GP or even without talking to your GP, try regular daily usage of significant quantities of olive oil to see if that subdues some of the discomfort that goes with the symptoms of hyperacidity and reflux. Let me emphasise again, um, Dave, olive oil is not just something to put sprinkle on salads or something like that. It's a medicinal substance, a potent medicinal substance. It improves bowel function, it improves gallbladder functioning and lessens some of the symptoms of a grumbling gallbladder. And thirdly, it is a great protective device for the gut wall. Now, Dennis, what about uh, olive oil with skin conditions? How can that help? Ah, well, what I mean, most traditional cultures in the world use olive oil as an agent to rub into their skin. As we get older, our skin gets drier, our skin gets itchy. If we regularly massage and rub into our skin olive oil on a regular once a week, couple of times a week basis, we will find that olive oil will nourish the skin give it a bit of oily characteristics and lessen a lot of the flakiness that particularly occurs on our legs as we get older. Olive oil is great as a nourisher of the skin. I had a, I'll finish on this note, but I had an an Indian pharmacy student studying with me. She was a pharmacist on the Central Coast, lovely lady, did my lectures on the Arimba campus in a postgraduate course. And this dear lady used to turn up uh, to lectures with her black long hair, delightful black long hair, uh, virtually dripping with olive oil. And she was the one who confirmed to me that even she, as a mature person, qualified pharmacist, still took on board the idea or the knowledge that massaging the hair, the scalp, regularly once a week with pure olive oil, leaving it on, letting it drip, is one of the most nourishing things that one can do for the health of the skull. There you go. Some interesting information, some yep. great tips. Yep. Thank you for today. I've Time has good, beaten us again, I've as always. Good. Look forward to catching up in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.